Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club, where we talk about movies. So, let's talk about some movies. And today, we're going to be talking about Scream 2, that dropped in 1997, after, you know, the huge hit that was Scream that came out in 96. And did you know that this movie got greenlit during the opening weekend for Scream? I'm not too surprised. With this coming out in 97, the turnaround for that, it had to have been greenlit, like, that weekend. Yeah, it was greenlit that weekend, and then I think they started filming, ooh, maybe like six months later? Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. No wonder this movie's kind of trash. Because this- <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Yeah, this movie is a little, a little piece of 90s trash. It is. I mean, it was your favorite. You were, you know, over here, oh, Scream 2 is the best one of the series, blah, blah, blah. And I'm it, like- it was my favorite for a long time, because I, <laughs> I think I saw this one first, now that I'm thinking about it. I either saw this first or I saw it like, God, I probably saw this like when I was really young. So I was like, oh, this is a cool slasher movie. I feel like a grown up. And now watching this as a grown up, man, this movie's some trash shit for kids. But it does have your Dawson's Creek connection to it. So I it think that's a, I think that's why you really love it. it. This guy, this movie has connections to urban legends. I yes, know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. It's got a, it's got connections. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy's in this movie. She is. And. It's also the movie that Boo has the the biggest axe to grind against because somebody dies in this movie that she's very angry about. Yeah, a lot of people are angry that a certain person dies in this movie. I think you probably agree that this person should have lived. Well, it kind of sucks because it's also in the best scene of the movie by far. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a good scene. No, it's the best scene in this movie by far. It's Well, you know what? We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. But let's start off with the the intro for everybody so this whole month we're doing our scream retrospective we're doing scream 2 and uh when was the last time you saw this one uh okay how about this when's the first and last time i don't remember the first time i saw this movie it's just it's always been there so i probably saw it maybe 98 whenever it came out on uh, vhs (laughs) uh it's a fun movie it's not my favorite of uh of the franchise but I like it more than I like Scream 3. Yeah, that is probably the best thing you can say about Scream 2. At least it ain't Scream 3. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, the first time I watched this one, <laughs> I was, it was probably like right after I saw the first Scream. Because mm-hmm. I think I saw them all in like a TBS like special. They, they were all out and they were like, oh, we're going to show these for Halloween. So I was probably like fucking 10. Might maybe. have been TNT. Might have been TNT. It was one of those. It was one of those ones. Yeah. And then I think the last time I saw this, I was 14, which is probably the last time I would have considered this a good movie. I think the last time I saw this was last year. I think I just marathoned through one through four. I got the snacks. I got the time. Let's just power through till we get to stream four. But of course, but of course. So this movie opens at the Rialto Theater. Yeah and, yeah, and this is where one of your biggest gripes happens, is in this theater. Oh, God, yes. Fuck this theater, fuck this audience, and fuck Maureen in particular. I, Man, this is, you hate Maureen in this movie. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Miss Jada Pinkin Smith. You did Will wrong, but you are also <laughs> kind of trash in this movie. So, this theater, because it's a preview showing of the new Stab movie, right? That's yeah. Based off of the Wardsboro killings that Billy and Stu did the year before. It, it's the meta call where it's like, we're going to show you the first movie inside this movie yeah. that's inside of a movie. It's a taco inside of a taco. Which, you know, leads into a, a chain reaction where the Scream movies after this 
start with that, you know, opening sequence of a movie within a movie. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. It's kind of different way of, of approaching a movie. Well, also, it's kind of funny because I think it's Wes Craven's idea of, yo, I'm going to show everybody what a bad slasher movie looks like. Because I'm going to be real with you, like, the Stab movie looks like fucking trash. Yeah. And also, I, I started, like, writing down the cast list as it was going by to figure out who's in this movie. Yeah. Or who's in that movie. So we'll get to that later. But, fuck Maureen. Because they go to the theater, and her boyfriend, Phil, played by Omar Epps, who I love. He's great. Yeah. In, in a lot of movies. And he's like, yeah, I got these tickets. It's gonna be great. You know, we're gonna see this, this horror movie. It's gonna be so much fun. And she's like, I wanna see the Sandra Bullock movie. And, like, you know, fuck you. I don't want to see your stupid movie. And he's like, I really want to see this. And I'm like, you're I mean, the worst you, date ever. You got to have some love for Sandy B. Yeah, I, like, Miss Congeniality was a long time ago. Hey, that new Netflix movie that she's in, that's a really good movie. Which movie? Where she goes to prison for, you know, killing a cop. But I won't spoil it because it's got a really good twist in it. But highly recommend that movie. Oh, uh, she didn't kill the cop. Somebody else did and she was framed for it. Damn it, Dean. <laughs> I, you know the well, best part? I had no idea what you're talking about, but when you said there's a twist in it, I I know exactly what it is. Anyway. So, they're going there, they go into the theater, and when they sit down, the movie's like already started? No. Or it's like, it, it's like it, just in the beginning, right? Yeah. But there's well, like no previews, nothing. They're just like, they're going in and everybody's going fucking hog wild. Yeah. They're doing cocaine. They're, everybody's dressed up in the freebie, like, ghost face mask. Which I think is pretty cool. You get to go to an advanced screening, and then you get the actual costume. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I'll say, that is cool. But these people are obnoxious cunts. Oh, yeah. But, All um, of them. A little, you know, fun fact. The the girl that's handing out the costumes to, you know, to Maureen and Phil when they're coming into the theater, she actually won a contest from MTV and got to walk onto that role and be part of the movie. Oh, really? And so I was just like, oh, that's oh, badass. Oh my, oh, my God. That, remember that, contests? Th- I, re- I just remember contests. And I remember MTV used to do shit like that. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my sweet Jesus. This is a 90s movie. I should have realized this was a 90s movie when it opens with some, like, like sly hip-hop going on. Was there? Yes! The op- the opening is, like, has this, like, weird hip-hop 90s music going on, and it goes into the score. Hmm. And it was, like, really weird. Because there's, like, there's some weird, like, overly 90s music in this. But besides the point. Speaking, so, speaking of score, the score was completely different for this movie. They used like red right hand and like mm-hmm. one or two other ones from the first movie but then the rest of it is like weird contemporary 90s soft rock and for dewey they kind of had like a spaghetti western kind of theme for him oh god what is going on it's like i really love the score from the first movie i mean let alone you know sydney's you know lament that score is perfect it's been in the rest of the movies it's just like that's what felt like what was kind of lacking it felt really disjointed for me yeah, a lo- that's my thing with this entire movie. It feels really disjointed. All the dialogue really sounds like it was written in, like, one go. Mm-hmm. And no one ever, like, cleaned it up. Or it's like, there's things that the killer does that is so, so weird that I'm like, I can't help but question the movie logic at this point. Well, Which, that... it, it's obviously, it's a horror movie, it's a fantasy, but you're not supposed to question it. But it's like, the first movie really kind of went out of its way to make the killer or the killings ghost face a little bit more maybe not realistic but more grounded and this movie is like oh no nah, we gonna fucking teleport yeah and that's 
It's just weird. That and this was the first big movie where the script was leaked. So they had to go back and completely rewrite the script. I think Kevin Williamson did it like in a couple of days or a day. Oh, and then they kept God. the the ending of the movie a secret until they were at principal photography to shoot the ending of the movie. So they didn't know how it was supposed to end. Oh, God. That kind of explains why the movie feels so fucky. Yeah, because I was reading about the original script that's out there, and apparently everybody dies. Sydney dies, Gail, Dewey, Randy. Yeah, so Right, because I, I heard something about that. Yeah. Like, the point of Scream 2 for Wes Craven was to pretty much kill the franchise. Yeah. Because I don't think he wanted to do more of these. No, I, I think... He was pulled into Scream 2 out of, like, contractual obligations or something. Yeah. Or it's like they... It was probably a thing. It was like, yo, Wes, that first one was pretty fire. Mm-hmm. We got a dump truck full of money. You know you want to make another one. And he's like, I want a dump truck full of money. I don't want to make another one, but fuck it. Yeah, so apparently everyone gets got in the next movie. And it's like, okay, that makes sense because the story ends. There's really nothing to take off with. But yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of weird because should we just spoil who the killers are in this movie? Oh, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Okay, because in the original script, the killers were uh, Jerry O'Connell, who plays Derek. Sydney's boy, yeah. Derek, and Hallie, who is Sydney's best friend at Windsor College, and one of our killers that is in this movie. So there's three killers, technically. Okay, because the Derek thing... Okay, he's obviously being set up to be the killer. Yeah. And it's, like, so fucking obvious, mm -hmm. and it's so easy to pull out that I'm like, oh, he can't possibly be the killer. Yeah. But now I'm like, did they just only change that up at the ending, and he was supposed to act like this normally throughout the movie? Because if he was supposed to act like that, then I'm like, now this feels like such, like, yo, guys, we're going to make it so obvious who the killer is that you're going to, like, mind fuck yourself out of it. But he's actually yeah. going to be the killer. I mean, it's the same thing where they try to kind of, like, you know, paint Randy like he's supposed to be one of the killers, too. It's like, oh, he still can't get Sydney, so you know what he's going to do? He's going to try to, you know, step back into Stu and Billy's footsteps and, you know, start the killings again. And it's just like... Oh, I never got Randy. I was like... I have never mm -mm. seen Randy as a suspect in any of the movies. And well, a lot I guess of, any of the first two movies. Yeah, stories. and a lot of people like to, you know, speculate that Randy was a third killer in the first movie, but he kind of just, like, stepped out of that shadow to make himself look like, oh, no, it was just the two of them. It wasn't the three of us. And it's like, I never Those got that. fan theories are so bad. They're such bad takes. And it's like, no, it's like, I never got that, you know, that impression off of him, like, Oh, yeah, you know, he's in it to be a killer because he loves the movies. It's just like, no. <sighs> okay, the, mm, the ending of this movie can just ride its way into hell. The ending of this movie is trash. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and stop trashing the ending of the movie. And go back to trashing the beginning of the movie. Because the theater sequence, I remember this being, oh, it's, it's like better than the first one. There's like more stuff going on. Nah. But it's really, really bad. Because Marine is one of the people who's yelling at the screen and yeah. she's like kind of like obnoxious and mean to her boyfriend phil and phil is like yo i'm just here to watch a fucking movie bitch like mm. you can walk the fuck home whatever then he goes off to like go take a piss right yeah and we spoiler alert we did stop the recording to try and figure out what he's hearing in the stall next to him yeah because it kind of sounds like maybe you hear a woman's voice it sounds like somebody's like some some people are going at it. To but him. It's, it's, to him, him, right? But when we were watching it, I don't know if it was the recording that we saw that we watched of it, where it was really hard to tell what we were hearing. 
I was watching this on Pluto TV. I think that's what what it was. Mm-hmm. It was like the only thing I found it on streaming, right? And I was watching it, and I got to that part, and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, he's listening to something. I was like, oh, my TV's turned down. Okay, turn it up. Wait, no, there's still nothing. I turn up all the way, yeah. and then I kind of hear like a voice or something like that, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and because I'm anal retentive, I'm like, mm, all right. And I stop the movie, and I go find my DVD copy. Yeah. Put that in, listening to it. And yeah, I can't tell dick all what it is. It's mixed way too low, and I can't really tell what it is. It's definitely like a woman's voice. I think it's saying something, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, and when I listened to it, I was watching it on YouTube with, you know, with the ads and everything. And I had a really hard time hearing what it was. And it's like, okay, like maybe it's a woman's voice because it's very soft and kind of high-pitched. But you see the killer, and it's just like, okay, this person is pretending to, I guess be having sex in the stall to get the attention of the guy next to him that's the other thing was this their plan to just i'm gonna wait in the shitter until this guy in particular comes in and is unable to use the urinal and goes into the stall and then i will play this recording to get him to put his head against the stall against against a public restroom stall and then i'm gonna stab him through the wall and and then that's my plan Damn the consequences if there's other people in that fucking bathroom. This scene originally was uh, cut short by the MPAA because he gets stabbed in the head three times through the stall. Which I would think after the first time getting stabbed, he would have dropped or ran away. So it's like, so what, he just stays against the the stall wall and, you know, just takes it two more times to the head? Yeah, because the killer's not like doesn't like reach over and grab his head and pushes it against the thing. No, he He's just, just uh, leans against it and then you know, boom, stabs through it. It's one of the kills where it's like, oh man, that's like a cool, gory, like ah, you know, that's a that's a jump scare, good kill, whatever. But like in any semblance of logical context, it's like that shouldn't have killed him. And also, why the fuck is he dumb enough to do that? Also, the, the again, it's another one of those Dean logic tornadoes that spirals down into well, oblivion. that and also, you know, why did he pick him? Because he, you know, he gets into his clothes, he changes into the, the victim's clothes, and then goes out and sits next to the victim's girlfriend. So he had to have picked these people ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Or at least he had to have <laughs> some idea of... Like, okay, I'm going to get these two people, and I'm just going to kind of wing it when I'm at the theater. And then when he, like, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to do that a lot. He sits down, he's wearing the leather jacket, Maureen's like, oh my god, ah, and like, r- falls onto him, right? Yeah. Because she's like, scared of something on mm-hmm. the screen, right? And I'm like, you're a grown-ass woman, there's nothing scary in this horror movie. But... Then she's like, oh, you're covered in blood. Oh, my God. And then the guy gets up and, like, stabs the shit out of her. Yeah. And he's, like, chasing her through the through the theater, and no one fucking notices or cares. And that's horrifying, that she's being murdered in front of a ton of people, and they think that it's, you know, like, um... A gimmick or part of the show. Yeah, they, they think it's a gimmick that the, the studio's doing, and it's like, no, this woman's being murdered, and you see one girl... That gets splattered with Marine's blood, and she's kind of like looking at her arm, like this doesn't look like it's fake. This looks like it's real, but she doesn't do anything to like stop what's going Marine on. Marine doesn't yell, "Oh my God, help me!" Or she, because here's the thing: Marine should have lived through this yeah. in the easiest way possible. Gets stabbed once, and she backs away, and like she's yeah. leaving. All she would have had to have done is just fall over onto the people in the next row. There's so much chaos going on. Well, well here's the thing. 
you only got to fall on she if she fell over like onto the ground or like just in the in the aisleway, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's like four fucking people there like are sitting. She crawls over people. Yeah. They would have just been like, oh, what the fuck is this? And then looked over and see, you know, Ghostface going in for the kill shot. Yeah. You know, it's... <sighs> Which, you know, kind of goes with one of our killers in this movie. And it's like, it makes sense why his first kill would be in a movie theater. But, yeah, it's... The opening of this movie, it's one of those things where it's like... I remembered it so well. Like, it was so... I was so fond of it and watching it. I'm like, this kind of fucking sucks. Well, it doesn't suck. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like the chaos and people, like, running around and chasing each other. I mean, I loved, like, how they had it with, um, like, Ghostface, like, flying on the rig through the theater to kind of kick it back to House on Haunted Hill when they would do that to scare the audience. So it's like, I loved how it was decorated, the big, you know, the big knife outside on the marquee. I'm like, okay, I'm like... That looks cool for uh, an advanced screening. Yeah, well, it's definitely done up to be like a... Uh, uh, like a premiere. Like a Will... No, like a William Castle kind of movie. Yeah, so I'm like, that's cool, but it was just so much chaos, and it's like, really, there's no one in there kind of to control the situation. There's no one in there to watch the movie. No. Maureen and Phil are the only ones there to watch the movie. Yeah, everyone else is reenacting things and chasing each other, and it's just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, like... Why are they acting so fucking wild? I don't know, but... Maureen gets got. Maureen gets got. She finally stops talking in the theater. Phil gets got. And then we find out the next day that they are students of Windsor College. Yes, and they were friends of Sydney? Or were they just people? They were people, but I think Sydney had a class with... Marine or... No, Case... Uh, uh, Cece. C- yeah, Buffy C- the Vampire Slayer had yeah, a class Bu- with him. Buffy had a, a class with uh, Marine. So it's like we're starting to see that there's, you know, there, there's ties. You know, it's not like... It's way weaker than the than the first movie. But besides the point, besides yeah. the point. Because the movie, we finally get to the college. We see Sydney and she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm at college now. I'm doing this i'm keeping my shit together she's getting the prank calls of you know what's your favorite scary movie and i'm gonna kill you and she's just like oh she's got the caller id she's got caller id and it's like okay you know she's trying to take it in stride she's trying to you know move on from the past and the past is back yes (laughs) the past is you know reared its head and it's back and it's at her school and they think oh it's just an isolated incident and it's like no this is a scream movie it is very much not. Well, that's the that's the thing because in the context of the movie, yeah, there was a there's a stabbing at at the movie theater, right? Yeah. Two people got killed. Yeah. But I, this might just be because I'm a jaded person in in the year of our Lord 2022. 20 yes, 2022. Yeah, in the year of our Lord 2022. But I'm like, people get stabbed at the movie theater all the time. Would you think it's a serial killer? Or would you think it's some like like some asshole shanks some people? Well, let's see. The movie is called Stab. Yes. And it's about a series of murders and two people are dead. No, I, I would think that it's a, a copycat killer that's I'm on the j- loose. Honey, honey, we got people stabbing each other in Elmo Goes to Grinchland, all right? Or at least in the theater. Never seen it. Really? Yes. Oh, it, it's very it's very nice. It's a very nice little, like, little, little kids movie. It's also got Elmo in it and Inigo Montoya, but whatever. I'll take your word for it. But back to the point. Yes. So... She's a college, she's getting that caller ID, star 69, and whatever. And then we find out what Randy's doing, and he's in, you know, film school, right? Yeah. 
I've been in film school. Yes. You know, I went to film theory classes. That, that's the class he's taking right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, no, nah, it ain't the, it ain't nearly this good. And yeah. that's when you get your Dawson's Creek crossover because they have Joshua Jackson who was in Dawson's Creek, and I'm like, oh my god, Dean who is the probably fuck Joshua, is Joshua Jackson. Oh, uh, it figures you're only a Vanderbeek fan. So. <laughs> only Vanderbeek, you know, only, Vanderbeek. Only the boy. beak. Only the beak, you know. And he's the one that him and uh, Randy kind of go back and forth about uh, movie quotes, where he quotes aliens. Yeah, now okay, I know what you're talking about now because I thought you were talking about Timothy Oliphant, and I'm like, wait no, a minute, no, 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 love yeah. Timothy Timothy Oliphant. But yeah, so they're they're in the movie or they're in the class, and they're just talking about the movie they're in, right? Like it's super meta. It's meta yeah. 101. Yeah, and they're talking about how uh, cinema doesn't create this violence. This is reality, and it's just you know art versus versus reality. Yeah. You know, does art influence and make people violent, mm. or violent people just using art? It's the thing. It's the age old argument that just goes around and around into circles. Yeah, here's the thing about this: they get into a conversation about sequels in particular, right? Yeah. And they're just like, "Oh, all sequels are shit. There's no sequel that's better than the original." Yeah, and one of them is like. Terminator 2. Oh, T2. Way better than Terminator. And Randy is on the side of, no, the original's always better. And he's like, Terminator, though, it's iconic. Sarah Connor? Yes. But I'm like, Randy, my boy, Terminator 2 is great. It, it is, is. A way better than Terminator. I will, I will die on this hill. I enjoy T2 as well. But this is where the conversation kind of moves from this random classmate over to Mickey, who's played by Timothy Oliphant. And they're kind of just, you know, him and Randy are going back and forth of, you know, oh, well, um, he's like, oh, the Godfather, Godfather 2. And Randy's kind of like, he's like, I can't really say anything because, yeah, the Godfather 2 is an amazing sequel. Nah, nah, Godfather 1's way better. See, that one I'm, I'm like, way more, <sighs> way more ready to argue for. But, like, but Terminator's we, where they got me. But we start to see the, the two film buffs go head-to-head, and we, we see a little bit of... Um, tension yeah there's that some tension weird there sexual tension not sexual they're, tension no, they're but definitely gonna bang later in the movie i don't think so but you, you can see that there's they're like friendly but there's something a little off kind of it's def- i always looked at it as like oh it's like a rivalry right it's a rivalry but in this movie with mickey you could always tell that he's thinking of something conniving or that he's the killer no he always has that look on his face it's just like oh he just, God. he just always has that shit-eating grin and that and i think that's nothing to do with like the character of mickey that i think that just has a thing where i'm sorry tim will oliphant every time you smile it looks like you're you just conned me out of my last paycheck i'm sorry but that that is just the thing about this character of mickey <laughs> this is going to be the the theme throughout the movie or throughout all the movies right Boo's going to sit there being like, so who's the bangable one in this screen flick? No. Are you sure? I mean, I'm, I'm you, you do have a bang, you do have a bangable list of scream actors. It's a really good cast. Right. Right. So they're, they're talking and then, Oh, you know, class is out or whatever. Yeah. And this is where I realized Randy has, has fallen from grace. It, is it the accent? No, it's um, when they ask Randy, what would you do? And he was like, well, I would change the ending. And they're like, what would you make the ending? He's like, the geek gets the girl and sprays yeah. the mouth breath shit into his face. And I'm like, oh, God, no. I almost died of cringe. That shit. That shit hurt. There's thought, a lot more coming. Because I thought you were going to bring up the accent when Sydney's like, you know, hey, do you think 
it's happening again and he just breaks off into a british accent and that one i was more okay with because i'm like okay that's like more natural if you're like trying to be snarky like i can kind of get that it's a little cringy because i i bring it up because i guess he did a a podcast interview with uh, another podcast and uh they showed him that scene and he started laughing and he goes i don't remember doing that and i don't even know why i did that he's just like it just came out of nowhere. He's like, I'm more shocked at it than you guys are. I was just like, what was I thinking? Uh, what, were, what was I thinking? But as it as it goes... I still love this franchise. I know you do. I know you With do. With all my heart. I know you do, all right? But after that, you know, Randy and Sid me, and they're like, oh, shit's gonna happen. And then we finally meet Derek. Yes. The D-Rick. This dick. Derek. Who is gonna be a doctor. He is part of a frat. Of course he's part of a frat. And it's just like... He's supposed to be, like, the all-American perfect guy, and Randy's just like, I completely loathe him. Yeah. He's played by... Jerry Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, okay. Because I recognized him because he was one of those actors that was in a bunch of Mm -hmm. movies in the, like, 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. I remember from, like, comedies, like Tomcat and shit, which I think might have been his, like, only comedy he did. Kangaroo Jack. Oh yeah, he was in Kangaroo Jack. He oh, Stand God. by Me. What the, that doesn't count. He was like six. He wasn't six. He was older than that, but still. <laughs> but yeah, he also, was in Big Bang Theory. He's been in a lot of things. Oh no, he's been in a lot of things, and and also everybody don't, don't. If you've seen Kangaroo Jack and you remember it finally, don't go back. Don't go <laughs> back. That shit. It it's not the same. But whatever, whatever. So we meet Derek, and he. Is like, you know, all-American perfect boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. And I was getting this thought in my head. I'm like, okay, well, how long has it been since the murders, right? Because yeah. it's never... I don't think it's stated in the movie. I think everything we know about, like, the time jump is... People pull research. that... Is research. Like, people yeah. pull it from outside context. Yeah. But in the movie, I'm like, how long has Sid been out of the dating game? I don't know about you, Miss Boo, but mm-hmm. if you're... Say your boyfriend, you know, went on a killing spree and tried to murder you. How long would you pull yourself out of the out of the pool, before you jumped back in. I'd be out of the pool for a long time. Long time? I mean, you really can't trust anybody. And that's kind of what happens in this movie is that the killers kind of try to break that trust between Sydney and uh, Derek. You kind of feel bad for Sydney because it's like, she's had this killer boyfriend who tried to kill her, killed friends, killed her mother. Now it's kind of happening again. And it's like, ooh, you're a great guy with a possible great future. And... It's happening again, and it's like, do I trust you? Do I just kill you right off the bat? What do I do? Oh, oh my God. Just, Cindy's like, <laughs> oh, this nice man over here is trying to buy me drinks and giving me, you know, nice compliments. I might have to cap his ass, though. He might be a serial killer. You you never know. I mean, things progress when we get to the, what is it, the, um, not the frat party. It's uh, the cocktail mixer for uh, one of the pledge houses yeah, yeah. that Sydney and uh, Hallie get invited to. And, of course, you know, the, the killer... Chaos ensues. Chaos ensues. The killer appears, and Derek goes running into the house to confront the killer. And that's when we kind of get, like, our... Kind of our, our ground, you know, level of, huh, maybe he is one of the killers. Which, again, I, I mentioned this earlier, but setting up Derek as being another another one of the killers is so so bad 
Because well, because in this movie he's it's like super obvious, right? Yeah. And that just screams to anybody who's paying attention. Then he can't be the killer because if he's the killer, then it's then it's stupid because it's so easy to point to point out. So it's not a twist. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of genius because Mickey, I think it's Mickey or Randy, either one of them, they say, well, he goes in and he confronts the killer and he gets stabbed or sliced on his forearm. Oh, oh, must have been lucky shot. Exactly. And they're kind of trying to paint it, you know, you know, he's training to be a doctor. So, of course, he would know where to get wounded, where it's not really going to, you know, be life altering. And and that's another thing, because we know Derek's not going to be the killer. We also know Derek is not the killer because we've seen the movie. Yes. Smart people watch the movie. Yes. So the person who is the killer, Ghostface, did they actually just get, it was just a lucky shot. And now they're like, oh, we can use this to frame Derek. Or were they like, yo, like he a big motherfucker. So I just like sliced and diced and tried to run away. No, since we know who the killer is, it had to have been strategic. It was like. I don't it, think so. No, I I think it was strategy. <sighs> God damn it. it because this only makes sense if I, um, if we, yeah, I guess we can probably spoil everybody to who the killers yeah. are. All right. Well, at least, at least one of them, because yes. the other one is complete, utter bullshit. Fuck that other one. But Mickey, yes. Mickey is the killer. Yes. And Mickey with his camera constantly recording people. We see him in one scene with the fucking camera. No, he's in a couple of scenes with the camera. No, he's in one scene. I counted. I went back and I counted. Okay, I trust you. He, he's in like one scene where he's like recording people. And then it's a thing where he disappears from the movie after Derek gets cut. Mm-hmm. He's not in the rest of the movie yeah. until the end. Which, fuck you, screenwriters and, and all that shit. Fuck you, Kevin Williamson in particular. But, okay, whatever, whatever. You're getting so, so salty. I, you know, I'm trying to be vibrant for the, for the, for the audience. Yeah, but, but before Derek gets stabbed, we have the whole thing with Cece alone and her... Um, it's a sorority house. A sorority house. Yeah, there you go. It's like I, a dorm room. I, I keep wanting to call them frat houses, and I'm like, no, I, I'm trying to think of the girls. So Cece is the sober sister who is ready to pick up people who you know can't drive themselves back to the house. I mean, you got to be able to trust Buffy. Yeah, you would think. You know, Buffy would be able to take on you know the killer, which I thought was genius. We have you know Cece alone in the house, aka Buffy, and they start playing Nosferatu on the TV, mm-hmm. and I was just like. Yeah, you know, we're getting our, our vampire reference in there. Was Buffy already on the air? Buffy was already on the air. Oh, so okay, she was okay. shooting both at the same time. Oh, okay, okay. Eventually, Cece Buffy, you know, meets her demise in this movie. But Sarah Michelle Gellar did that stunt. Yeah. She went, she went over the side. Um, she was kind of apprehensive because maybe three, you know, three stories is pretty high. But since she had done, you know, stunts for Buffy, Wes was like, you know, you think you could, you know, do this one? She's like, I'm kind of scared, but all right, I'll do it. So yeah. I'm like, that's pretty badass that she, you know, did a three-story fall. Oh, yeah. But scary, her being in the house alone, and it's just, you have this huge old house, tons of doors, tons of places to hide. She also knows somebody's in the house, like, right away. Yeah, and it's just, I, I just keep thinking, get out of the house. It's just like... I don't just, know why she didn't just, like, leave. It was just like she she has the phone. She's like, oh, I gotta go back inside so I can get a good connection to yeah. call. Which but I'm I like, forgot go next about. Door. It's like I yeah. It's like I completely forgot. You know, you leave out the front door a little bit, you lose connection on that phone. And I was just thinking, all you had to do is call, run in the house. I'm at this house. Blah blah blah. There's someone in the house. Drop the phone. Get outside. Ah. It, it could have been preventable. But this is where we kind of get into the conspiracy after Cece is killed because. They start, you know, realizing it's not isolated. 
this is something much bigger. Yeah. And that's when they start, you know, Dewey and uh, Gail start working together to kind of piece this together because the police there are kind of like, well, I guess we'll kind of throw a couple cops here and there to to watch out over oh, the kids. Oh, they're doing way more than that. They give Sydney a police detail. Like Eventually, yeah. Yeah, well, they, okay. Give her the police detail, sure. But the the big one is like, Dewey and, or like, Gail's there doing Gail things. Also, yeah. fuck Gail. And Dewey's there doing Dewey things. He, Protecting he, Sydney. Yeah, no, he's trying to bang Gail. He's just playing he's, hard to get. He's heartbroken. No, he's playing hard to get. Dewey, he knows what he's doing. As he said himself, you know, maybe my, you know, slow wind and boyish charm is meant to um, lower people's expectations so I can move undetected in anybody's anybody's circles. And I'm like, oh my I, god, this dialogue is shit. And I, I I immediately thought, that's something that Dean would say. No, it is not. Yes. I am, I am not that bad, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but here, here's the thing. I think Dewey gets the shortest end of the stick in terms of, like, dialogue. Yeah. Because David Arquette... I've seen him in, you know, movies. He's, yeah. he's a good actor. He's, yeah. you know, he's fine. But I'm like, man, it it really sounds like all of Dewey's dialogue was like, eh, that's words on the page. That's fine. Whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out later. And they just never figured it out. Yeah. Because all of his stuff sounds like kind of cringy. It always sounds like there's an extra phrase on the end of everything he says that's mm-hmm. meant to be just a quip. Yeah. That's just not funny. It's... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And we see, you know, the the anger that he has towards Gail. And eventually they kind of soften towards each other because they've been through this horrific experience. There was real feelings part of that. So Gail kind of goes from bitchy reporter to, you know, we got to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And that's when they start to, you know, go through the conspiracy and kind of figure out, hey, this person is redoing the kills and they're doing them in order because we have maureen at the Mm. theater her boyfriend phil whose last name is steven Steven. yeah casey becker stevens whatever and Cece, uh they asked the the police chief you know well is that her real name or is that a nickname and he goes oh well her name's casey and it's just like they're redoing the murders so it's like so it's not random killings it's but what's what the bullshit part of that is, though, is that they drop the gimmick as soon as that revelation happens. Yeah. So it's like, wait, so that that's it? Like, we're not going to get a, a Fonzie guy killed? We're not going to... No nobody Tatum. Else? No Tatums, no, no nothing. But whatever, whatever. Because... Because after this, you know, it's pretty much just dialogue and, ooh, we're building up tension and... Yeah. The song and dance number happens. Yeah, that I, that one you cannot defend as not being cringy. No, that was cringe. I don't think the movie needed it. I thought it was kind of weird that during the audition process, the people that were auditioning for Derek had to sing that song. Really? Yeah, and it, wait, wait, wait. That was that was the thing that would have gotten you the role. Mm-hmm. And I guess Jerry O'Connell did it the best, and they're just like, "Yeah, you got the role," and I'm just like. Why did the movie need, you know, this song in the middle of the cafeteria? And and the other thing, it's like, don't get me wrong, you know, Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Good good actor. Talented guy. T- talented guy, but he's not like, he ain't a show-stopping singer. No. And it's I, not I even don't... a good rendition of the song. It's like, kind of, I guess the best way to describe it is like, kind of like a drunk frat boy kind of like sing-songy thing he's doing. Yeah. Because he's like jumping around, he's just trying to be like, you know, loud and, and on key, but... 
Yeah. I don't think it was meant to be like, you know, oh, wow, he's serenading her. It's just like, like, really? Is it supposed to be like, oh, it's young, dumb love? I'm like, no, no one would do this. Like, boo, if I did this to you. I'd run. You run, right? Because this is like, they had been dating for how long? Like. Maybe months. Maybe months? Yeah. If I did that, like, a few months into our relationship, that's, you'd have been like, this guy. Yeah. Is no. No. The 90s were a different time, I guess. They were. And something also interesting with casting, apparently they offered the roles of Mickey to Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man. I don't see... that. Uh, I, I, I really don't well, see Tobey Maguire being Mickey. Maybe? Nah. Man, I don't know. Maybe? Actually, no. I don't even see him as Mickey. Like, that's but, even that's even worse. But in the original script, before it got leaked and they redid everything, Mickey wasn't going to make it through this movie. Oh. So Mickey was just another film student, like Randy, and he gets got, so... Wait, wait. Uh, so Mickey was just going to be a... Man, this it really does sound like the script being leaked ruined the movie. Yeah, it really flipped everything upside down, so... I think that's why it just feels so disjointed because I was like, crap, our, probably... our stuff was leaked. Now we have to really pull some stuff out of the thin air and kind of build a story. That's probably why all the dialogue sounds so up and down. Yeah. Because it's like, it sounds like, like Sydney's dialogue for the most part is like, is like good. Like yeah. it's fine. You know, Randy, there's a couple like, like the cringy stuff at the beginning, but once he like, I guess gets into the, into the role, he, he's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's like fucking gale and dewey like all their stuff sounds like way off Mm -hmm. and i'm wondering was it a thing where kevin williamson had to like oh shit add a bunch of scenes with them because they were supposed to die way later in the way earlier in the movie possibly yeah because i mean and that's probably also why mickey disappears for like 40 minutes of this movie or no it's more than that it's like an hour plus of this movie it's a two-hour movie so yeah it had been an hour plus because as soon as Derek gets got in the first 30 minutes he's gone because I, I actually found this out. Randy dies at the midway point. That's the middle of the movie. Yes, Randy does. And I still think it was a big mistake. We, well, we need... Yeah, because he was the most likable character from the first film. He well, was he, was the... also, he was also the conscience of the movie. Well, yeah. And he was like the spirit guide to kind of lead them out of danger and trouble. He, he was the wise and sage that was able to tell them this is how the movie goes. Mm-hmm. It is weird because Randy in the first film kind of came out of that as like the fan favorite, right? Yeah. Oh, he's just like, you know, me. He's the smart movie nerd. Oh, he sees all he these He likes tropes. hanging out at Blockbuster. Yeah, he's he's the he's the guy that, you know, the audience could really attach on as the surrogate, mm-hmm. I guess. Cuz he's the horror movie geek and, you know, horror movie geeks like like this, you know, yeah. it's good. And then in the second movie, it's like, oh, you know, same thing and then he dies and I feel like the movies that come after always try and find a randy character to be like oh i know how this works because the whole point of the series is to be meta yeah but yeah it really sucks because it's also the best scene in this movie it is the best kill by far i don't know if it's the best kill but i like the game of cat and mouse it actually builds tension really well they're on the phone and it's like randy's walking around he's looking around for the killer right gail and dewey have gone off they're hitting everybody with a phone Randy's trying to keep on the line. And he's like wandering around, bumping into people. Everything puts you on edge. Mm-hmm. Is this where the killer jumps out and, and ambushes him? Is this the point where mm-hmm. where Randy sees him? You know, does he give chase? Is the is the thing where it's like he's that close? 
And then he gets pulled into the van and it's over. Yeah. And it's so brutal. And then you get to see Randy at the end. And it's like, oh, we actually see the results of that after yeah. it's been like hidden from us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's that's actually like a good, well done sequence. It it establishes, you know, stakes, builds up the stakes, builds attention, and then he dies. Yeah. And we get the payoff. And then it's Gale scream and Dewey's, you know, oh my god, no. And then Joel, the fucking cameraman, faints. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd probably faint if I saw something like that. Oh, me too. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd be an absolute bitch. But it's like, <laughs> I like how they, they're also trying to make Joel, the cameraman, a killer. Or like a killer suspect. Because he's like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get some donuts and coffee. And he leaves. And like five minutes after that, that's when the phone rings. No, I mean, I never got that impression that Joel could be one of the killers. It's just, I kind of agreed with Joel. It's like, man, I, I was brought here to just, like, record you, and you want to go chasing down killers? I'm out. I'm going to go on a new assignment. Like, this is too dangerous. And it's like, smart, instead of, yeah, you know what? I'm going to follow you and, you know, possibly get myself killed. He's like, lady, I read your book. I saw that your first cameraman got got by the original killers. I don't think so. I'm out. Yeah, it's some bullshit. But... It, it, it's just one of those things where it's like he faints and I know it's supposed to be oh it's a light moment yeah it's supposed to bring lightness to this huge blow but I'm like nah he should just let the blow sit like that would have been way way better but I mean you know whatever Wes yeah. Craven definitely had an idea of what's going on or the, like the script had it in and demanded or something yeah but that happens and R.I.P. Randy R.I.P. Randy my boy and then I think after that that's when Cotton and Sid, no, Cotton and Sid have already met up to this point, right? Yeah, Gail, you know, brings them up to... For the ambush interview, right? The ambush interview, and then this is where we see Sydney in the library, and she's getting direct messages that, you know, you're gonna die tonight, blah, blah, blah. And that's when Cotton, you know, makes his appearance because she's able to flag down her... um, her two details that are on her. Yeah. So they start, you know, checking computers... And he's able to pull her to the side and say, you know, you need to do this interview with me. You owe me. And he starts getting rough with her. And oh, that, no, 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 And no. that's when you start thinking. He don't get rough with her, all right? He, I don't, he's like, he doesn't put his hands on her. He's just like waving his hands. He's like talking to her, right? No, he puts his hands on her. He's he's not like, no, no, no. Not like put his hands on her. It's like, fuck you, bitch. You know, no, you'll be it's in prison like, for a while. No, he, he, he grabs like, like her arm. He, yeah. But it's it's to kind of give you that feeling of. Oh, yeah. He's he, dangerous or unhinged or whatever. He's unhinged and he could be one of the killers. You know, Sydney helped put him into prison. And it's like... Uh, she, she was, like, the sole reason he went to prison. So and also, it, yeah, Sydney, you owe this man, all right? You owe him big. He did a year of time because of you. He also slept with her mom, which was ill. But... Yeah. So we have yeah. that, and that's when they decide that they're going to put Sydney in, like, um, witness protection. Yeah. Because things are just going haywire, and they need to get her to safety. And this is where we get... You know, the the whole thing with the car. Oh, my God. And we get the whole thing with the car in parallel to that. Like, at the same time, we also get Dewey and Gale being um, attacked, right, at the, at the classroom. They're being attacked. And then we also have Derek that's being taken by his frat brothers because he gave Sidney his his frat letters or yeah, the necklace. Yeah, it's like a frat letter necklace or and whatever. And I guess that's like a, a no-no in the frat, you know, community or whatever. So they're like, okay, you know, we got to... Uh, haze him right we gotta haze you torture you for a couple of hours which is really just 
a party where they're pouring beer down his boxers. Yeah, they're like, we're going to tie you up, we're going to get blasted, and we're going to spray beer and, like, humiliate you or and, whatever. And read the rules back to you. And it's just like, so you have a whole bunch of things going on at once. Yeah, and this is definitely leading up to the end of the movie, the climax, yeah, the climax, right? yeah. And, okay, do you want... Because the Derek thing, easy to just explain away. He gets kidnapped by his by his frat bros, and he gets tied up in the theater. Yeah. that That's all that happens with him. And what we didn't mention earlier is that Sydney, I guess, has joined the theater program, and everything ends in the theater, and we get to see Sydney on stage portraying Cassandra and the Fall of Troy. Yes. And... In the worst possible scene for her to be doing, because it's the one where everyone's chasing her with fucking knives. But I thought that scene was kind of well done, the choreography, where... You have everybody in masks, and they're going after her with knives. And you see the ghost face killer just, yeah. like, popping in and out. That yeah. one was good. Yeah, I really you, enjoyed that sequence. Because you were so in Sydney's point of view, and you weren't sure if he was really there or if it was her. And you feel just like her, where it's like, did I really see that, or am I imagining that? And the choreo- choreographer that, you know, choreographed that entire scene, he was the one that was ghost face, so he knew when to pull back and go in and I was that just like, like the best part yeah of, of having like these masks on like everyone because then you don't have to have like oh we'll have to train a bunch of these actors like no no we got dancers and like choreographers to really do it yeah it works so well yeah and i mean you don't really expect that scene when you're going into this movie because it's like we're, we're going into like a stage production and you know eventually the movie ends in the theater and we kind of have her portraying this scene again again but as herself instead of cassandra yeah and like the whole theater thing it's it's actually gonna be a, it's a thing where it builds up to a really good ending sequence but it's also like that the whole the ending as a whole doesn't work for reason but Derek gets tied up to to the star or whatever in the theater yeah he's tied up to a part of the set which is kind of genius because then you you use him as leverage and yeah, yeah. but Dewey and Gale, they're like, we got some videotapes now, and we can go through and we can try and find mm-hmm. the killer. He might have been following us around, right? Also, how hard is it to find a, a VCR in the 90s? How hard is it to find a VCR on campus where you don't have to... Also, they're in Ohio, right? Dewey has a hotel room somewhere. Yeah. They just you... go back to the hotel. Yeah. Unless his hotel doesn't have a VCR. They got HBO? And it's like, <laughs> Gale, you work as a newscaster. Go to the news van. Well, no. There's no news van because Randy was killed in the news van. And Joel oh. said, he's like, they impounded my van. It's destroyed, blah, 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 this. So there's no news van that they could go to and watch the tape. So, so here, here's the thing right there. So they had enough logic. We're going to remove the news van. So we have to get them inside the yeah. building, right? And they're going to be forced to go into this classroom. But here's the thing. The owner of the classroom, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like put on the tape. And they're like, oh, they start getting hot and heavy. And then, oh, the other monitor in the classroom turns on, right? Yeah. And they see, it's like, oh, Ghostface is up in the projection room. Like, go get him. And they go, and Dewey goes up to catch him, right? And Gail's well, down there. even before that, the footage that starts to play, you have footage from the theater where they follow the first two victims. You have the footage of Randy being stalked out, you know. Yeah, stalked and you have Casey. You, you, yeah. have the, you have it and it's like, oh, it's all the killer stuff, right? Yeah. Which foreshadows Mickey if you remember... Him with his camera. In the one scene he was in with his camera. So Dewey goes up there, right? And Gail's standing by the the table. Hands on the table, Mm -hmm. right? And she's like looking around, obviously. Dewey goes up there. The killer's gone. Where did he go? 
And then the killer teleports mm -hmm. from underneath the table. Yeah. How did he get there? He was always there. How was he always there and he was also up in the Because there's room? two killers in this movie. Da, da, da. Here's the thing. There's not two killers in that room. Because we have the killer chasing Sydney because it's happening at the same time. Yeah. So there's one. Ki so if there's only two killers. There's one chasing Sydney at the in the car, and there's one at the classroom. So there can't or, be two in the classroom. Or was this at the same time that Sydney was packing up and leaving the school? No, it's not because Sydney already left with when um, Derek got kidnapped. Derek gets kidnapped right after she right leaves. after that and right after that scene that's when we have Gail and Dewey going to search it's either like right there or like maybe a second or two before also I guess for the context so I can prove my point the other killer is Debbie Salt Debbie Salt who is reporter you know, at large reporter who keeps harassing Gail and you know once we hit the climax it's not Debbie Salt it is Mrs. Loomis which Fuck this movie in particular. I thought it was a good twist. No, it's not, because it's not set up at all throughout the entirety of the movie. I mean, can I believe that she would be strong enough to be, you know, the other killer? No, but if she's batshit crazy, which it seems like, because once they have their grand reveal... No, no, her being batshit crazy, her <laughs> being grand reveal, whatever, that I don't give a fuck about. Her being Mrs. Loomis is bullshit. Because if you watch this, that's the thing. So, I'm about... I'm, I'm, I'm dropping the notes. Oh, God. So, Here we go. I call this a fuck you mystery. Because you can't solve the mystery. Right? You can't solve the mystery on your own without the writer revealing everything to you at the end. Yeah. That's a bad mystery. Like, that's why it's, like, good mysteries like Sherlock Holmes, things like that. They set up and they give you all the details. Everything's laid out for you. If you're as smart as, like, the detective, you can solve it, right? Yeah. And in the fiction they're like oh all the things you've seen now we're going to lay it out for you in the right order and now we're, we're just going to explain this is what the answer was but if you were smart paying attention you could have gotten to it yourself it's like the sixth sense they do that if you're paying attention you're putting all the little dots together you can solve the mystery and the yeah, twist and it makes perfect sense but you this twist doesn't make sense but you could have solved it because she was at every crime scene and even when cc is killed she comes right out from behind the news vanish tells gail oh you just barely got here I've well, been here. here and if, here's the thing. Here's the thing. But why is she Mrs. Loomis? To tie it back to the beginning. Because how? Because Mickey so, could be a fan of, you know, Billy and Stu. But to have someone that has motive, his mother who is scorned and angry. Okay, okay. So, Mickey's motive is zero. He has no motive. No, he's he just crazy. a crazy bastard. Right? And then it's like, okay, picking Mickey out as the killer is bullshit because he disappears for like an hour plus of the movie and it's like okay the hints of him being the killer are kind of there they're strong yeah you're, you're you're able to tell that he is one of the killers right but i think it's a great twist because she's the last person that you expect because she's a non-character exactly and that's why which it is makes sense thing. it makes sense that gail doesn't recognize her and Sydney does, and she tells her, you know, well, I don't remember her looking like that. She goes, well, yeah, she lost like 60 pounds and she got a lot of work done. So it's so that's another thing. Her plan would is blown immediately if Sydney ever sees her. Yes. Which is highly, highly likely. And beyond that, it's the thing where, okay, Mickey, he has no motive unless 
Debbie Salt has a motive because she's pulling the strings, right? Yeah. But we can't discern a motive from the narrative of the film without knowing that she's Mrs. Loomis from the outset. If we know Mrs. Loomis, okay, then that gives her motive. But since we don't know her motive and then it's revealed, oh, I was the other killer. And the reason is because of this. And it's like, you could not have solved that mystery and discerned that I was the killer and my reasonings behind it unless I explained it to you. They didn't want you to solve it. Why the fuck not? You could have solved it in the first one. Yeah, in the first one. But in this one, they're like, okay, we really have to make it difficult to solve. And it's like, how did they meet? They met on a... On 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 an internet fucking serial killer site. Yeah, and it's like... Fuck this movie. So it shows that, you know... They met on 4chan. They, you know, Crazy Apple doesn't fall too far from the crazy tree. So she was probably on there talking to people, interviewing people, and Mickey was the one, you know, kind of like Stu, or, fuck yeah, I'll do it, you know, just because, and this sounds awesome. And even when he's giving his monologue of why he's doing this, and he's like, you know, I'm doing this to go to trial because trials are the huge thing right now. And Randy brings it up earlier, you know, OJ, um, all the other killers, the Ma- Manson, Manson. Yeah, Ted Bundy, uh, Dahmer, all of them. Yeah, he brings up, you know, the all the high-profile court cases. And Mickey's like, I'm in it for the court cases because it's going to make me famous and I'm going to blame it on the movies because no one's ever done it before. So it's like, And I'm that, like, that's some bullshit and you know so it, So it's sir. like, it's another person that's trying to get famous for being a killer and just being a fan of movies. But... Ah, okay. The climax of this movie, I got so many fucking issues with. Oh my sweet baby Jesus! But before we get to that, the car scene, right? Yeah. Because that that's probably one of the other more like tense and interesting moments. But it only works on the pretext that Sydney's really dumb. How does it make her dumb? I mean, she's in the back of this patrol car with okay. Haley. Here's the thing: back of the patrol car with Haley, they're driving out, and then they get ambushed by the killer who was on foot and was able to keep up with a with a Lincoln Continental for however long. And was able to hop on the hood of it and hang on and not fall off. Yeah, and also was able to punch through the window, stab one of the officers, mm-hmm. fling himself up and over like it's a Dukes of Hazard episodes in time to be able to disarm the other police officer. Well, not disarm, incapacitate. Yeah. Get into the car to drive off, and then the cop... Look, alright, I know this is a weird political... Uh, points of the film, but that is a justifiable shoot if I've ever seen one. The, this killer has not only killed your partner, is is now has two hostages in the backseat of your squad car. And, that he's he about is, to... and he gives him enough time to turn the car over, put it in gear, and run your ass down, and, and you hang on. And, and I know he doesn't shoot because if he shoots, he can move his head and he could shoot either Sydney or Haley in the backseat of the patrol car. You fucking... Yeah, but if not, he's going to run your ass off the fucking hood and kill him anyway. And, you know, eventually the cop meets his demise in one of the most horrific and gory and, ways. Yeah, that is, this is, that's definitely the Jason kill where it's like super gory and kind of over the top, but it's... And that's, know. and that's what Randy says about sequels is that they feel the need to be a hundred times more gory and more, you know... Carnage uh, candy, baby. Carnage candy and body count. And that's what we get in this movie. We get a lot more kills. There's a lot more um, gore in this movie compared to the first movie. A lot more blood, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this crash where they kill the second officer, knocks out Ghostface. 
Yes. And the girls are stuck in the back because it's a patrol car and it doesn't unlock from the back. So, but, and here's the thing. Sydney's smart enough to be able to get out of the patrol car mm-hmm. by going up into the front seat, by tearing out the cage or whatever. Yeah, the cage. And is able to, she gets over, Ghostface is right there. He's either unconscious, dead, or, or paralyzed. Play, or, or playing possum. Or, play, or playing possum, you know, all that stuff. Airbags didn't deploy because this is the 90s. Yeah. Fuck airbags. And because of the way they crashed, they crashed on a construction site. She's not able to open the passenger door, so she's got to crawl over Ghostface to get out of the car. Yeah, and as she's crawling over, she's like, oh, God, this is so scary. And then she falls on the horn, right? Yeah. And it's super loud, and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, God. And the guy doesn't even move, doesn't yeah. even flinch. And I'm like, okay, Sydney, he, he's down for the count. Mm-hmm. So she gets up, gets up up and over. Haley comes out and gets up and over. And Sydney has the moment as, like, I'm going to take his mask off yeah. and see who he is. And then, like, she's like, no, 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 we'll just run away. I'm like, but what? Why? That, that would be my thinking. I would, you know, rip the mask off and then run. And or, Haley's just, well, you the know. the other thing, it's like, okay, you don't know if he's dead or not, right? Yeah. They're the fucking he. There's probably a knife on his on the floor in there, or like some, the, grab the officer's some, gun. Officer's gun, or like grab a blunt object and just club him over the head until until you're sure. Yeah. Like the movie's over at this point. Yeah. Like it's done. But it's not because they make it so Sydney's dumb. She's like, oh, I'm gonna crawl out over it. I'm gonna I'm gonna prove to the audience and everybody and to myself that this guy is a non non threat. Right, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna run away, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stop, conveniently next to the spooky logs, right? And then she's like, "Wait, I gotta go back." And you know, second thought, I'm gonna go back and see who it is. I I can't leave. And I'm like, "Okay, you had your opportunity, but second chance is fine." Yeah. Runs back, and now the killer's disappeared again. Yeah. Not only disappeared from full unconsciousness, crawled out of a window, without either of them hearing or seeing him, loops all the way around to the spooky logs, comes out and kills Haley. Yep. And now I'm like, Mickey, my man, you should be working for, like, military testing site because you're the most durable human being on the planet. That and Haley was also kind of his girl. I think so, yeah. So it's just like, was that just in the plan or it was just kind of like, you know what? You might be able to ID me, so I got to take you out. Maybe. But, and that, God, that's the other thing where I'm like, he fucking teleports. And, yeah. And in the, in a granted. I can really see in this movie why, because you said at the beginning it's supposed to be three killers, right? Yeah. Okay, it was supposed to be um, Derek, Derek, Haley, and Mrs. Loomis. Okay, Derek, Mrs. Haley, Loomis, Mrs. Loomis, you know, basically being the puppeteer, and the other two are doing her dirty work for her. Yeah, and I can and I can see. These kills were definitely designed in mind with three killers. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely, like, Gale and Dewey's thing. Like, yeah. that one needed to, like, have two people. Yeah. And this one, I'm like, okay, this also needed to have, like, two people. I can I can kind of see it. You know, you have one person. I mean, even in the original script, Mickey's killed by two killers. You see both Ghostface at the same time, apparently, when he dies. Okay. So, it's just the thing of, maybe it was kind of like a goof, where it's just... They didn't clean that part up yeah. of the script, or they didn't... It was in all, in all honesty. I'm being nitpicky as fuck. I am. I acknowledge that, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I could I could tell there was something instrumentally wrong when they changed the scenes or changed mm-hmm. the rest of the film, but they probably didn't change the kill scenes. 
No, because with Randy, when he gets killed, apparently you're able to tell that a woman killed him because I guess on his hand he has lipstick on his fingers. Yeah. So it's like there was, you know, evidence there. But when things are happening so fast, it's like you don't really pick it up on the first run. Yeah, but but here's here's the thing. With that in mind, the fact that Derek's not the killer, mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, that makes sense because Derek being the killer is just like, is bad. Yeah. But like Mickey or, and then. And changing... they put, and they put Sydney back in that same position at the end of the first movie where she's going into the house and you have Stu and Randy and they're like, I'm not the killer. He's the killer. You have to trust me. And they're doing it again to her. And she kind of, you know, doesn't trust Derek for a split second. And Mickey's like, well, you should have trusted him. And he shoots him in the chest. Yeah. And kills him. And like, that's the thing. Like, Derek not being the killer makes sense because it's like so obvious that it's like, okay, now you're just being the first movie again. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, Haley not being the killer, that's fine because she's taking like the Tatum role in this film. And I'm like, okay, I can see, like, she could have gone either way. Yeah. Like, that would have been, like, whatever. But, like, trying to figure out why she would be a killer is, like, not there. So I can yeah. see, like, they probably cleaned all that shit out of the movie. Yeah, because I really don't see how you would connect it to her her, her being a killer. You at know? least at least in this version. Yeah. And then with Mickey taking Leo with the killer role, it's like, you can kind of see it just because he's a little creepy? Creep. I mean, Timothy Elephant does a good job of switching from... Okay, I'm gonna act like a normal college student too. No, I'm batshit crazy, and I'm just doing this for kicks. Well, he does that at the end of the movie, yeah. but like beforehand, when we're when we actually see him, and we're like, okay, is he the guy or not? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, now we like he has to be the guy. He's the only named character that's still in the movie that's mm-hmm. not dead. Yeah. And then you know, and like Mrs. Prescott, like I've already gone on my tirade for that. But here's, no, here's you the mean thing, Mrs. Loomis. Mrs. Loomis. But here's like the thing that I. I was talking about with this, with that scene in particular, you know, with Sydney in the car, it only works if Sid's dumb. The movie is over at that point. Sydney has the upper hand. She can do whatever she wants to this killer, take the mask off, find out who it is, call the cops, game's over. But you still have the second killer with Gail. She doesn't know that. There's no way Sydney knows that there's another killer. But if she knows who that person is, calls the cops, that person gets caught or whatever, whatever happens, they get interrogated. They're going to find out. If it's Mickey, he's going to tell them. If he tells. If he tells, whatever. He may want to be the star. And that's why when he's doing his monologue at the end where, you know, it's going to be a huge court case and I'm going to be famous. And Mrs. Loomis says, there's going to be no court case. And she shoots him and kills him. And I'm like, God damn it, Mrs. Loomis. Okay. She's picking up from where... Her son left off, left off and kind of goofed where he should have killed Stu to be, you know, the sole survivor. Here's the other thing. I was talking about why, why the, that, uh, car scene didn't work because it requires Sydney to be dumb. This climax only works because Mrs. Loomis is a fucking idiot. Okay. Because she shoots Mickey before they have dealt with the other girls. Yeah. They haven't killed Gale. They haven't killed Dewey. Dewey. Well, I mean... Well, okay, no. Dewey should be dead. <laughs> the fact that Dewey lives at the end of this movie, no, no, no. He, he should be dead. And that's probably why they're not worried about him, because, oh, okay, we stabbed him two or three times in the back. He he's coughed he, up blood and has he, been soaking in it for a minute. It's like he's, you know, not going to be able to do anything. He's going to slowly die. So, and it's, you know, Gale gets shot, and they figure, oh, okay, you know, we probably killed her. So now it's my opportunity to go after Sydney on my own. Or Mrs. Loomis kills Mickey. Yeah. Shoots Gale. Mickey 
down for the count. Gail, down for the count. Mm-hmm. All she knows, she's won, she's over, and now she's monologuing yeah. to Sydney. And she's telling her the whole plan. Mm-hmm. And like gun to the to Sydney's head. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why haven't you killed her? The because, game is over. Because it's, you know, the typical killer where they have to give this huge monologue and it's just like, this is why you're not going to win the game because you have to give a big speech. It's Jane, it's the James Bond villain bullshit, yeah, right? And then, like, oh, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die after and, I explain my big monologue plan. Yeah, and because Do of you know this, I'm a Shakespearean actor? It gives enough time for Cotton to appear. And then that's when you think, <laughs> is he the third killer? And then it's like Cotton shows up and I'm like, oh shit, we got a Cotton in the house. Let's go. And I'm like, wait, wait a goddamn minute here, Cotton Weary. Where the fuck you been? Mm -hmm. How did you know they were in here? And he's holding them at gunpoint, right? Because I guess we should point out that Sydney, with gun to her head, is able to get away from crazy Mrs. Loomis. Oh yeah, because she is a part of the theater program. So she's, you know... Doing, you know, multiple things with the ropes and closing things and dropping things. This so is the, she, the most unrealistic theater I've ever seen in my life. So I'm like... Those rocks are made of styrofoam and spray paint. They ain't knocking anybody out. So we have that scene where she is trying to fight back. But we do get to see Cotton a little bit earlier after... Um, she finds... He finds Dewey bleeding and he comes out to be like, hands. Gail, what's going on? He's covered in blood. Yeah, so, you know, they're trying to set up the third killer... A little bit early and then he shows up when mrs loomis is making her big speech and then you get the whole negotiation of you know look let me kill her and i'll make you a star i can write this i can write that and you just see the the conflict of you know the angel and the devil on the shoulder and he's just kind of sitting there you know well I, we still got that diane sawyer you know uh interview off on the table. lined up and she's like consider it done and then he shoot he shoots her yeah but that's the thing cotton you know comes in and it's like, oh, the d- conflicted character or whatever. But I'm like, you know, and and you're there thinking, if he shot Sydney, he put he put him in prison for a year. Yeah. Like, you know, granted, it's not justifiable. Blah blah blah. But like, you're thinking in your head, you're like, oh, like he could get his his cake and eat it too. You know, save the day, but couldn't save Sydney or all all that other stuff. Have you heard of a phrase called a dummy ending for a script? It's like the the ending you put onto a script that's like not real and it's meant to like throw people off. Yeah. So Game of Thrones did that all the fucking time. Yeah. So apparently in the original script when it was leaked, there was a dummy ending and how I said that everyone dies. Apparently part of the dummy ending was that Sydney and Cotton were gonna fight to the death and they do kill each other in this dummy ending. They die side by side. They shoot each other and I guess that's one way to completely wipe the Woodsboro slate clean. Yeah. And I was just like, I know it's a dummy ending. It was never going to happen. But I'm like, that would have been interesting because it gets tense in that scene. And you're not sure. It's like, is he going to, you know, follow the devil on his shoulder and kill Sydney? Because he really, really wants to become a star. He sells it so well. Liam Shriver is like the best actor in this movie for like the very little time he's on screen. He's got to be on screen maybe, what, like 10 minutes in this movie? If that. If that. And he's really good. Yeah. But... The, the, again, like the the ending of the movie, you know they they get the upper hand. Uh, Gail lives after being shot, and I like uh, how she right off the bat knows. Oh yeah, you know the bullet ricocheted off my ribs, and it's just like what? Also, no, no, honey, if the bullet ricocheted off your ribs, but like you can t- that bullet went into your body, yeah, and it hit your ribs and it broke something. 
you are not moving. You're on. You're done. Like you're yeah. on the ground. You, you sure you you won't die. Benefit of the doubt. You're not moving. Yeah. Bullets hurt. Yes. Granted, this is a movie, and I love Predator, so life happens. <laughs> but you know they're they're doing their thing, and Cotton's like, "All right, I save the day." When they help Gale out. Sydney is like, give me the gun, Cotton. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's fine. I, I, it's fine. Get your fingerprints all over that shit. I didn't mm. shoot nobody. Yeah. And then... He was just like, he was like, man, this is so surreal. <laughs> this is just like, so real. It's like, yeah, he's like, I just killed a woman. And you're expecting Mrs. Loomis to pop back up because... Fuck that jump scare in particular. I'm like, Billy did it. Mrs. Loomis has got to do it. But it's Mickey. And fucking And Mickey was shot a lot. She shot him like an L.A. cop. Didn't Sydney shoot him too? Wasn't it the two of them that kind of like well, shot him at the same time? Well, well, okay. At the beginning of the scene, right when Mickey does the whole thing, he's like, "I can't wait for the court case." Fuck yeah! Oh King no, Kong that ain't got nothing on me. And then Mrs. Loomis unloads a full clip into that bitch. That's right, she does. And then once he pops up underneath the rubble, he pops up like you know, <laughs> screaming and going nuts. Sydney and Gail both, you know, unload you know the clips into him, and it's just like. Damn, Mickey! I'm like you on PCP? Again, like... again, Mickey should be used for military testing. Survived that like gnarly car crash. Airbags? Fuck mm-hmm. that. We got Mickey. Only he has a little cut on his head and is able to come up from full unconsciousness, sprint like a like a magnificent gazelle. Get back to campus. Get back to kills Haley. Is able to chase Sydney back to campus. Kill Derek. Killed Derek, and is able to hold Sydney at bay until Mrs. Loomis shows up, and then. He gets shot, like, like six fucking times, mm-hmm. goes down. Then he's like, all right, I'm going to play dead here. Mm-hmm. And then, all right, this is the opportune moment. And pops up and goes, arg. He mm-hmm. literally pops up and goes, arg. Yeah. And then they fucking annihilate him. And they, I'm like, you had to shoot this man more than Tupac to drop this guy. Yeah, he was shot oh. a lot. And then you're waiting for Mrs. Loomis. And it's like, and it Sydney doesn't. just caps her. Yeah, Sydney's like, you know what? Fuck it. Shoots her in the head, too. And it's just like. You know, technically, Cotton kills Mrs. Loomis. But Sydney, man, two for the Loomis family. Exactly. <laughs> Straight S- to the dome. Look, like, Billy's dad's got to be scared every time Sydney comes around. He's like, he killed my son. And he killed my ex-wife? Yo, you get, you're a little scary, girl. You but he's the motherfucker. Off. He's the motherfucker. But, that, so yeah, so and then, the you movie know, ends. The movie ends and... The news reporters, of course, are outside of the campus, and they want to talk to Sydney, and she's like, you know, hey, Cotton's the the real hero of the day. And and he's kind of like, thank you, I'm finally getting my moment, and Sydney kind of just walks off. After we see that Gail's fine, and Dewey's alive. Dewey's alive, and, you know, uh, Joel shows back up, and he's like, come on, let's do it like the old days where, you know, you report, and you're covered in blood. And Gail just, you know, drops the mic when she hears Dewey, and she's like, I'm gonna go with him. And I'm like, ah, oh, Gail got her redeeming moment. Mm-hmm. Like, Joel is back in the picture, yeah. even though he disappeared for a minute, hot minute. And it's like, Sydney gets to go free. Cotton gets his moment in the in the sun. And I'm like, okay, we have a nice ending. And then <sighs> we do get a sequel. We do. We do. Because it turns into a trilogy with Scream 3. Yes, yes. But before we get to Scream 3... Your, fi- your final thoughts on this movie. Because we just talked about the whole fucking thing. We did. We, we, we really... went on a tangent. This is supposed to just be a quick, like, yeah. like, like minute. But thought final thoughts on the movie. Not my favorite, but fun. 
And I really, I know that you hate that Mrs. Loomis is one of the killers. It's such a fuck you mystery ending. But I love that twist because I didn't expect it. Mickey, right off the bat, I was able to tell he's one of the killers. And it was just, well, who's helping him? And it was just completely out of left field, even though it's kind of hard to believe that Mrs. Loomis, who's played by, oh my God, I can't think of her name right now. I am so sorry because I'm a fan of her. She was on Roseanne. She was Andy's mom from Toy Story. Um, uh, you just keep going. I'm Big go- Bang Theory. She's Sheldon's mom. Uh, <laughs> I'm scrolling through IMDb ultra slow. Lori Metcalf. There we go. We did it. Thank boys. you. Thank you, Lori. I love Lori Metcalf. She's a great actress. She's hilarious. She's an Uncle Buck. So she's she does a lot of comedy. Yeah. So to see her like in a serious role and as a killer, it's very weird, but I really like the twist. Yeah. I mean, the 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 movie as a whole, I'm it's one of those things where I'm like, "Oh god damn, this is so of its time." Mm-hmm. It is so in that like post obviously it's scream too but it's a post scream style slasher Sydney's movie he's got the cool leather jacket throughout the movie yes yes you got the cool leather jacket everybody is like like ultra 90s there's so much cringe the dance sequence i i the song singing i can't do <laughs> and it's there's there's part of this movie where i'm like i can really tell that this was like gonna be a really good movie yeah. right it's like my my gripes about the the opening sequence aside, it was interesting to see this go in that meta direction of yeah. oh you know we were a movie talking about horror movies mm-hmm. and now we're a horror movie that's talking about how real life events are taken and used as true events for actual movies yeah and it's like oh okay that's a really interesting concept okay I can I can see where it's going and then it's like. We have Randy coming in, and he's doing the whole sequel, you know, meta stuff. I'm like, yeah. it's always good to see Jamie Kennedy, you know, <laughs> chew the scenery a little yeah. bit. And like, there, there's parts of this movie that are really good. Randy's death, I think, is a really well done, good tension, great sequence. I even think when Gale and Dewey are being chased around inside the the like recording whatever studio is really interesting. And the fact that she's in a soundproof room and Dewey's on the other side banging on the glass. Yes, and... That's actually a really like cool and interesting thing. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. I, I dig that. But it's the thing where it's like so much of this movie is that nineties brand of cringe. That's just hard to get past. And also like, fuck that ending by the fuck that ending in particular. <laughs> but overall I could, I know I shit on this movie a lot, but it's still, it's fun. It's fun fun it is fun if you can just kind of kind of write it mm-hmm. you know like i i would still say you know fucking three and a half stars out of five no no that's too much that's that's way too fucking much two and a half stars out of five yeah it's like it's fine it's real middle of the road i it's it's okay this is the okay brand of screen movies but yeah but next week Next week, we talk about Scream 3, which is its own beast because, man, the story really takes a left turn. Yeah, yeah. I don't so know when the last time you watched it. I've watched Scream 3 once. Oh, buddy. Okay. Once. and that, Be prepared. I watched Scream 3 once, and that was the, the time I saw it on, like, TNT when I was, mm-hmm. like, fucking 11. Yeah. I mean... I can't watch any of the Scream movies. I gotta watch all of them all at once because oh, I just... Oh, you do the marathon? I marathon because it's like, ooh, you know, that wet my appetite. It's like, I gotta, you know, finish the, the series. I gotta watch them all. So, 
I've seen this within the last year. I mean, even right now, I can think of most of the movies, so be prepared. Oh, God. I know you're going to have a lot of gripes. Do I? Do I seem like the kind of guy that has gripes? Constantly. Constantly? Constantly, but I can't wait to talk about Scream 3. And if you wanted to hear that, where can they go? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and we're also on YouTube. Yes, you can find us on our YouTube channel, In The Frame. That's right. YouTube channel is called In The Frame. Go and uh, watch, watch some nice podcast episodes. It's fun. Also, leave comments and subscribe and shit. And if you want yeah, and if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Film Club Podcast. Uh, and with that, boo, any last words? We'll see you next week at the Film Club. Have a good week, everybody. Also, fuck this movie in particular. Such a baby. <laughs> <laughs>